0: In order to save his dying father, young stunt cyclist Johnny Blaze sells his soul to Mephistopheles and sadly parts from the pure-hearted Roxanne Simpson, the love of his life. Many years later, Johnny's path crosses again with Roxanne, now a reporter and also with Mephistopheles, who offers to release Johnny's soul if Johnny becomes the fabled fiery Ghost Rider, a supernatural agent of vengeance and justice. Mephistopheles charges Johnny with defeating the despicable Blackheart, Mephistopheles' nemesis and son, who plans to displace his father and create a new hell, even more terrible than the old one. Ciao, my people, and welcome to our 22nd episode of Happiness and Darkness, the superhero movie podcast, where we cover superhero movies from Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, Image, and more. If it came from a comic and had a theatrical release, you know we'll discuss it. I'm one of your co hosts, DJ Nick, and today we'll be discussing Ghost Rider. Naturally, there will be spoilers, folks, so you have been warned. And with me today to discuss the first, this first movie outing of the Spirit of Vengeance is the man behind the Ohio Type 40 and Type 2 Doctor Who, Mr. John Takas. Hey, John, how are you doing?
1: Doing great, Nick. Thanks for having me back.
0: Oh, the pleasure is certainly ours, John. So uh, today we're reviewing Ghost Rider from 2007, directed by Mark Stephen Johnson, who this uh, is might know for directing movies like Daredevil, Simon Birch, and Finding Steve McQueen. It stars Nicolas Cage as Johnny Blaze, a.k.a. Ghost Rider, Eva Mendes as Roxanne Simpson, Donald Logue as Mac, Sam Elliott as Carter Slade or The Caretaker, Peter Fonda as Mephistopheles, and Wes Bentley as Blackheart. Legion. It was written by Mark Steven Johnson, and the score was by Christopher Young, who has actually already scored other, shall we say, horror movies before. The man has scored films like Hellraiser, Species, Pet Cemetery, and in the superhero realm, Spider Man 3. So, on estimate, John, this movie cost $110 million to make, and it made $228.7 million at the box office. So not a great return, but enough to warrant a sequel, where, mm-hmm. which we will discuss, but some other time. So, when <laughs> it comes to to this first outing of Ghost Rider and the, this movie in particular, why did you pick Ghost Rider?
1: Well, I've always been a fan of Iron Man. He's always been my, my top uh, top superhero, but Ghost Rider was always second. Uh, I, I like to tell people that uh, it's first, it's Shellhead, then it's Bonehead, uh, <laughs> and I think that uh, I think the reason why is because uh, Growing up as a, as a kid in the 70s and 80s uh, I, I like to listen to like the, the heavy metal and the hard rock that was back then and a lot of the album covers had skulls all over them and you had like Iron Maiden and you had, had all, all these different different bands that had skulls or something similar to it on their, on their album covers or as their mascots themselves uh, like uh, Overkill has one too uh, and just to have a character who's a demon he's got a flaming skull and he's riding a health uh, hell cycle That was all about it. And uh, yeah, I've been a fan since.
0: Uh, Well, I definitely can't blame you for it for sure. And when it actually comes to this movie, I do have a premise to give to our listeners. First off, people, if you do end up watching this film, if you haven't watched it, you have to do so with the right mindset. As if you're thinking that you'll be (laughs) watching something more akin to what Blade had been, then keep on moving. If, however, you embrace the dark Slash almost comedy aspect of the movie, you will be entertained. As John, I feel this movie has a lot of the comedic elements that you might find, say, in Guardians of the Galaxy, for example, or even The Mask, you know? As I have that feeling that though I feel this might not have been Mark Stephen Johnson's intent. And apparently the original screenplay was written by David S. So who knows if that had been adapted. And apparently, Johnny Depp had originally been cast as the lead. And how, who knows, had he been cast, we might have gotten a completely different film, maybe mm-hmm. more akin to what fans would expect from a Ghost Rider film. But we got this, so let's get into it. And before <laughs> we actually break down the actors and, and the, the, should we say, the main themes, John, what were you, should we say, as first impressions when you first saw this movie and even the rewatch? What, what, how did you feel?
1: Uh, when I first saw it years ago, it... Uh... I, I left the theater thinking, okay, that's they could have done better, and now years later, watching the rewatch, um, I, I actually for the rewatch, I watched the director's cut. I'm not sure which one you watched for uh, when you when you saw it or not, mm-hmm. but there's uh, there's there's quite a bit that's added into the director's cut with. Uh, Taking place with uh, Johnny and his his, uh, his father when he's when he's younger, uh, just a few extra scenes that they they add a little bit to it, but they don't help it as much. But mm. uh, yeah, even even now later on, it's just I mean it's just goofy, I and mean, it's not the Ghost Rider movie that I think the the fans deserve. But if you know nothing about the character, it's a decent stepping on point.
0: I think you make a good point with that for sure. And and like I said, yes, I have not seen the, the director's cut. Um, so you said that when it comes to so we say extended scenes and stuff, so we get more of Johnny with his dad. Are there any other key scenes that might have been cut from the theatrical cut that you actually that were put back into the director's cut? Uh,
1: there, there's just a few scenes here and there with uh, uh, oh, the uh, with his. Um what he's he's doing with his first stunt uh and then when he goes to take off and look for uh, to go after roxanne after the uh that that interview if you want to call it that there's a scene where uh, after he makes the jump and successfully lands the crowd the crowds like they're chanting his name so he takes his helmet off and uh he he knows that roxanne's already on the road so he's gotta get her and he just sees this young fan in the audience and he just throws, a, throws his uh his helmet to the fan and uh it's it's funny because if you look at it the right way like, like if you kind of analyze it he almost smacks this kid in the face with it So I'm wondering <laughs> if that's why they took it out but yeah it's uh it, there's nothing that really adds to it but it's it's a little bit more more content for you mm.
0: are there, are there also like other scenes like for example do we get more black for example or even more scenes between Johnny and Roxanne
1: uh a little bit between Johnny and Roxanne but uh nothing with Blackheart
0: Ah, OK. Yeah, because I felt because when we do come to that, I do have to there when it comes to the scenes with Blackheart. But let's get into the meat of the movie. So I would say let's start with taking on Ghost Rider himself and openly hardcore comics fan Nicolas Cage. Apparently, Nick has gone on record saying that instead of a hard drinking and smoking badass, he decided to give him more depth. His quote was, "I'm playing him more as someone who made this deal, and he's trying to avoid confronting it. Anything he can do to keep it away from him." And Cage also explained that Blaze's stunt riding was a form of escape and a way to keep him connected to his deceased father, who taught him how to ride. So, what did you think of uh, of this particular Johnny Blaze, aka um, Ghost Rider? Did you feel? Did you find this depth that Nick uh, Cage apparently wanted to bring?
1: Well, as as being a fan of the of the character as he is, apparently he's got a Ghost Rider tattoo on his on his shoulder. Um, I I wish he would have played it more towards how he was written in the comics. Um, so the hot
0: drinking smoking badass.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that would, <laughs> I think it would have been awesome. I think it would uh, it would have given a lot more depth to the character than this just this goofy guy who just eats jelly bellies from a martini cup.
0: Exactly, very true. Because that, I don't know what is with that. I mean, I don't know how in the world that came to why we get uh, Johnny Blaze doing that. You know, instead of okay, alcohol, he's drinking. He's drinking. You know, candy all day, and seems to have this fetish for ape movies. Yeah. You know, and, I, <laughs> and I'm like, what is with that? And I, I have to say that you know, if you're looking for depth, people, I don't know how much depth we actually get. And probably, though, I think this version of a ghostwriter makes sense for the way Nick Cage is an actor because had we had maybe Johnny Depp it would have maybe made more sense to have the more should we say aloof darker guy here I think he's very socially awkward I think you know and he has no idea how to interact with people and the you know the aside from the candy and the watching you know apes on tv I would say him and Homer Simpson would have a great time together <laughs> you know yeah um, you know and, and I have to say that though the meant to be the character comes off more as an aloof oddball, I did find myself laughing at a lot of the jokes and kept thinking to myself, as a comedy, this works well. But you can tell this was not Nick Cage's intent. And I'm sorry to say that. But however, I did enjoy this Johnny Blaze and Ghost Rider, but probably for the wrong reasons. Like me, when you watch this, did you get a mask vibe from this film?
1: A little bit, yeah. And uh, I just it, there's a, a lot of things that just didn't make sense to me when I was watching it. Yeah, yeah. The comedy aspect is great, but if I'm watching a Ghost Rider movie, I want I don't want comedy. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Like I said, he's 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 he's, he's eating uh, jelly bellies from a martini cup. But then you look at him when he's looking at himself in the mirror, and he's completely cut. No one who's eating that many jelly bellies is going to be that cut up. <laughs>
0: exactly i mean he even worked on his physique for this film you know Mm -hmm. which which is which is like subset and then the fact that he almost you know pulls these faces at the mirror because he he can't understand why he's turning into this this character and it just it just blew my mind because it almost seemed like i don't know it almost like they wanted to play it for laughs but they didn't you know and that's the spirit I entered at some point with this film. I said, okay, I'm going to take it as a lighter film, almost popcorn fare, rather than, you know, say, for example, watching Blade, for example, which is not mm-hmm. more grim and gritty, but... Other than that, I did enjoy this Johnny Blaze, even though he is a bit weird. And at times I had trouble understanding his raison d'etre. I mean, I guess he's a fun take compared to maybe a grim, gritty badass, though I would not have minded seeing that either. So it's, uh, it's a bit of a shame. So let's get to what is supposed to be the driving force behind Johnny and the love of his life. A woman that wears more plunging V-necks, <laughs> which would be more at home in a high school rom-com or soft porn film. unless And yes, Eva, you, you are very pretty. Um, Eva Mendes as Roxanne Simpson. People might know her from Training Day, Too Fast and Furious, and Hitch. And she was also in Children of the Corn 5, Urban Terror. So what did you think, John, of this particular version of Roxanne Simpson?
1: Well, the, the writing didn't really give... Give the character its due, um, I mean, she did a nice job of playing the character for what she for what she was in this movie. But I mean, the comic version of Roxanne Simpson, she's completely different. I mean, she's actually uh, Johnny Blaze's step uh, stepsister, who eventually becomes romantically involved with them, and she gets into the occult and all this. And it, she was she was never a reporter; she never had anything to do with the news. But uh, I mean, Eva Mendez I mean, she's. I, I like to think of her as. Uh, uh, she was kind of like the flavor of the month back in 2007. And both her and Cage did five, uh, well, they had five films released in 2007, so they were working their butts off. Uh, but yeah, she, uh, I, 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 this, this film, I, I could take her or leave her. I loved her in, fa- in Too Fast, Too Furious, but this one, it just didn't seem the right fit for the character.
0: No, exactly, and once again, you know, going back almost to the mask comparison, I've got, she reminds me a little bit of Tina Carlyle, you know, the character played by Cameron Diaz in that film. I think we end up getting a very similar character with Roxanne Simpson, as aside from looking smokingly gorgeous and everything wardrobe puts her in, and we get it, Mark, we're supposed to be salivating over her like hungry dogs, she does not get much of an arc. You know that the top moment for this character is when Johnny stands her up for no fault of his own at the restaurant, and she's drinking herself stupid. What mm-hmm. I mean, did you? What did you actually think of that scene? Did you enjoy it?
1: I thought it was hilarious. I mean, yeah, I, I mean it was, I, it, it
0: was just it was just odd, you know.
1: Yeah, and, and like you said, she she is beautiful, and I think she was right. there mostly for the uh, the eye candy aspect. Uh, because I think they could have gotten a few other actresses to play that role. And I think I, I would have enjoyed it a little bit better. But, uh, I mean, yeah, that scene alone, I, when she asked the, the, the waiter, she's like, I'm pretty, right? And he's like, eh. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I, I, if I was that waiter, I might have been able to, to, to do something with that.
0: Exactly, you know, I thought that, I mean, it was, it's a really fun scene, but like at the same time, as I said, she's supposed to be, you know, the love of Johnny's life, and um, she's supposed to be almost, you expect maybe even a stronger, somewhat of a stronger character, but aside from the eye candy, I don't know whether the audience at large who saw this movie actually cares about her and Johnny's love story, you know, which I felt was very 90s. And though Eva does her best, the character in this case follows that trope of being a hostage, and a pawn to be used against Johnny by Blackheart. And actually, when it came to the relationship between um, Johnny and Roxanne, did you buy it, or did you feel it was a little bit threadbare?
1: It, it was odd because, I mean, for for two people who who are attracted to each other that much, they're very easy to move away from each other. It just it just really seemed odd like that. I mean, they're like, uh, she's like, well, uh, yeah, I can move very- on, and if, if I want to, I'll move on again like, wait a second, if you, if you care for him that much, don't you want us to do do the best you can to stay with him and, and, and work with him through all this? But no, she's just like, no, nope, I'm packing, I'm leaving. And as aloof as he is,
0: exactly, and <laughs> he's just like, okay. Exactly. That's the whole thing. It's like you don't really get the whole uh, you know, these two people love each other so much, you know, the point of where they they um they have he, he actually actually put their names in the tree, you know, carve their their initials in the tree and all this kind of thing, and and the fact that yeah, as you said, she's leaving and he's like, oh, Ed, you know, he doesn't even try to stop her, and mm-hmm. also the fact of um the, he you know he shows up years later and then he's you know he kisses her and stuff, and she's like, okay, let's get back together again.
1: could it- uh, to be to be completely honest, I think. I mean, I, think that so I think we might have gotten a better movie. I think we might have gotten a better movie if you would have stayed with the two younger actors from the beginning of the movie all the way through. Just I mean, don't even worry about the time jump. I mean, just take take the uh, the story from where we left off uh, right then and there when he when he drove off in the rain and expand on that. Don't go the time jump and, and have Nicolas Cage who's not doing the character justice and Ava Mendez who's I think she's clueless as to what the character's supposed to be. Just have the originals back.
0: I, I you make a very good point. I think it actually might have been a better film if we'd stuck with the younger versions of both Johnny and Roxanne. Because mm-hmm. as I said, it just like you said, that's that's there's the correct word, clueless. The two of these these two have no idea what is going on. Um one is totally aloof and distant and, you know, she pops into his life. It's like, okay, you know, it, it's a very, very strange relationship. It almost seems yeah. very puerile as a relationship, almost like two teenagers almost, you know, kind of breaking up and getting back together and breaking mm-hmm. up and getting back together. It's uh, it's not a very adult relationship, if you know what I mean.
1: Right. It's very... Uh... Very middle school, high school type stuff.
0: That's exactly it, and so I was just like, nah, I don't know that, and it's supposed to be, you know, the driving force behind this film. But okay, <laughs> uh, and the fact is, as I said, that thing just shows up, you know. And she doesn't even, you know, she she just says like, oh, nice to see you. And in this case, she's super embarrassed and awkward about it and stuff. And uh, instead of us like saying, you know, take a hike, she's like, okay, it's all good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's crazy.
0: I don't know. It's it's just it's a. It's just nuts. But OK, we, we analyze that. So we come to who ostensibly as Johnny's best friend, the amazing Donald Logue as Mac. Our listeners might know him from films like Sons of Anarchy, Vikings, Gotham and, of course, Blade. So when it came to the relationship, another relationship which should be very important between Mac and Johnny, what do you think of this one?
1: Uh, I honestly, they might be better friends than business partners because I think Mac is probably one of the worst managers around. (laughs) I mean, Johnny's changing the the setup on these (laughs) stunts and not even letting him know about it. And then the, uh, the, the one time that when he does crash, he smacks his, his head pretty hard into that, uh, that barrier first thing he does after he takes his helmet off is like okay you might have a neck injury but he's slapping him in the face trying to wake him up i'm like wait a second where are the par- they're, they're yelling for paramedics but all you see is just his crew coming by and i they don't even try to say okay well let's let's have him like check him out first they're lifting it up so he can uh, wave to the crowd i was just like what kind of manager is this
0: and you know anybody who knows anything or even anybody who's, nobody who hasn't even studied medicine knows you don't take off a cyclist's helmet once when they've crashed.
1: <laughs> Especially since I, it, was, it was shattered. I mean, you, you don't know if there's, like, gla- pieces of glass there that could cut him up. While, he, But they just take his helmet off, and he's, he's like, okay, okay, wake up, wake up, wake up. And it's like, wait a second. You might have some vertebrae damage there.
0: Exactly. At least a minor concussion.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just seemed like another another clueless.
0: As I said, I think the subtitle of this film should be clueless. And once again, this reminds me very much of that typical sidekick role, which was very much the style of the late 90s and early 2000s. That character is pretty much there for comedic purposes. He actually kind of reminded me of the role Timothy Spole played as the road manager Max in the movie Rockstar. Or even Ralph Brown as Dell Preston wins World too. You, mm-hmm. you get that kind of stereotypical road manager vibe.
1: Just, just there to, to just, give a few like, lines here and there.
0: Exactly, you know, the very stereotypical road manager. You know that you can't help having a soft spot for. I absolutely love Mac, but. To a certain extent, you know, I've been there, comes taking care of artists when they play live over here. And and two, because he's the kind of guy you would love to have as a friend, even though, like you said, he's totally hopeless as Mm -hmm. a manager.
1: Yeah. You you can tell he cares for him.
0: He certainly does. He certainly does. You know, he very much indulges on his quirks and all. And, you know, he does worry about him. Though you think Johnny would have been more upset about him being killed by Blackheart that was another thing I did not understand. It don't you take even a moment to mourn Mac when you find out he's been killed?
1: Yeah, he Just he just looks. I mean, that that's not even covered with the uh, the director's cut. They don't add to that scene at all, which it would have been nice. But he just looks at him and says, "Oh, Mac." <laughs> like wait a second, this this is your best friend and your manager. I mean, you, you, you need to get in touch with HR and get in, get some new some new blood in there now. It was crazy. I was just like, wait a second, this guy's he's 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 been pulling for him for so long and uh next thing you know he's on he's he's all blue and dead on his floor and he just looks at him and just just says two words. That was it. I was like, wait a second. It,
0: exactly. It would have almost made more you know, I would have almost even appreciated the typical down on his knees looking up the sky and crying no you know sure. just oh Mac.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's just like, oh, Mac.
0: <laughs> I know. I, was just, I, just, I just didn't get that. But I guess it, it might be because of the fact that he is a very sort of oddball and kind of very locked in his own world. So either he doesn't get it, or like I said, if you take it as a comedy with dark elements, it makes sense. You know, that Johnny doesn't take time more Mac. I, Seeing as good- I'm sure they wanted to make something more, once again, than a dark comedy, they should have they taken the time to address him being killed off.
1: Yeah, I mean, unless it's just because he spent all those years uh, as a carny, <laughs> not really getting a a lot of uh, human interaction apart from the crowd. <laughs> he's like, okay, what's what's supposed to happen? But I mean, yeah, he, he he showed emotion when his father died.
0: Exactly. So you think this guy that has managed you for probably count there'd be a little more, a little more, you know, emoting there from from Johnny Blaze.
1: Yeah, you you would have you would have thought, <laughs> but I mean, and, like I said, Mac is a character as a, car- he as a character, he was, he was he was a a good friend, but uh, like I said, uh, like the, probably the worst manager you could ever have, especially for for that line of work that he's in. Um, I, like he he obviously cared for him because he went to uh, he went, he was trying to he was waiting at his apartment so he could talk to him, but uh, yeah, after after that, it's just I mean. He doesn't even mention him after that, saying, well, well, yeah, he killed this person, he took her, and he's just, he's gone. He's just, he's out of the picture completely.
0: Exactly, and I, I definitely would have liked to have seen more of Mac, but, you know, thats that's just how it goes. And so we come to one of the definite highlights of the film and a man whose voice I envy constantly and which I cannot even come close to no matter how much I drink or smoke. And that's <laughs> the legendary Sam Elliott as Carter Slade, the caretaker. So so much can be said about this man as it was an MCU-worthy move, I feel, to have him in the film. You know, the man has been a staple in Western films. You've seen him in, in films like Tombstone, Gettysburg, Buffalo Girls, and of course, nobody can sell you muscle cars beef or computers like Sam Elliott.
1: yeah when I when I found out he was in the he was gonna be in the film I I, I knew that was probably gonna be the uh, probably the best best part of it apart from the special effects uh, I mean what, what what can you what can't you say about this guy He's he's seen the the voices like what every guy wants his voice to be and he's he's been the, the the beef it's what's for dinner guy for years and he was actually just on the uh, in one of the Super Bowl commercials um, and just one of those actors that uh, you, you as soon as you hear his voice you know who it is and uh, very recognizable um, and I, I loved him in tombstone it's one of my favorite movies of all time uh, but yeah when I found out that he was he was gonna be The the caretaker and Carter Slade. I was like, okay, if we got Carter Slade, that means we're going to get the original Ghost Rider, who was a Western character before they changed his name. And uh, yeah, I was was really happy to see him in this film.
0: Oh, you and me both. And you know, I'm not a football fan, but I loved his narration of the Pittsburgh Steelers Green Bay Packers intro during Super Bowl 45. That was epic.
1: Yeah, it's it's the voice.
0: It's all about the voice. And and speaking of the character of Carter Slade in this film, mm-hmm. what did you think of it? I mean, were you happy with this version of Carter Slade that we got? Uh, well, if uh,
1: if if anybody knows the like the original Ghost Rider, it was uh, uh, like I said, it was he was a Western character. He had a completely white outfit and cape that had a, like a iridescent glow to it. But it was black on the opposite side. So if he wanted to make himself invisible, apparently he he changed his clothes real quick inside out, and he he was you couldn't see him in the dark. Uh, he also had a white steed that he he rode named Banshee, which had this like like really screeching cry when he when he rode it. Uh, throughout the years, they changed the name to like the uh, the Phantom Rider, and then the Night Rider, I believe. Uh, he went through a lot of different changes, but. Uh, they changed him for this movie to be, but just just like Johnny with the flaming skull and the the horse was was on fire as well. I did enjoy it, but I don't think we got enough of him when he was the Ghost Rider. He said he he had one last ride in him. It's like okay, well, how do you know that? Uh, and I would have loved to seen uh, seen the two Ghost Riders taking on Blackheart at the end. It would have been I would have loved to have seen that, but he just they ride five hundred miles and he says, you know what okay, that's uh, my last ride, so I'm done, and he just disappears into uh, into the horizon. I was just like, I want more! I want to see more of this! <laughs> you and me
0: both. And actually, speaking actually of that last ride, how epic was it? Because to have the rock version of Ghost Riders in the sky with these two riding away, okay, granted, the special effects have not maybe aged splendidly, but... I thought that that's that scene was just amazing.
1: Oh yeah, it was. I, I I loved it. I mean, to to this point, to to this day, when I watch it, I mean, that's the scene that uh, I I also get goosebumps watching that because I love to see. There's um uh, back in Ghost Rider issue number fifty, uh, Johnny Blaze and Carter Slade they team up in that one, and just to see the two of them together again, it was I was fantastic. And the, to to use. A current version of Ghost Riders in the Sky that song way back in 1949 was the basis of the Ghost Rider character and I, I just uh, to, to see them, them using that as well I mean I would have loved to have seen like uh, like get the bike up in the air do it over some hills and the and the see the horse do some jumps but they just rode a straight line I was like come on there's so much more you can do with this I felt cheated
0: it's true it was a missed opportunity because i think that could have it was probably one of the best scenes in the film and it actually like you were saying it made you almost want to have a solo carter slade film and i hope that if ever it happens we actually do get a carter slade film
1: yeah, actually I, honestly after after ghost rider and spirit of vengeance uh, marvel needs to marvel needs to make a, make a better ghost rider movie that's <laughs> just <laughs> in my opinion
0: Going back to Carter Slade, I absolutely love the characters. He's such an essential guide mm-hmm. and help to Johnny in understanding what it means to be a ghost rider. And of course he provides tons of backstory to us, the audience. And uh, he, I, I almost compared him, he gave me the idea, at least in this film, to being like the whistler to Johnny's blade. You know, as this may have been the aim in the film, seeing as this was a, originally a Goya screenplay.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah, no, I could see that.
0: Yeah, and plus, you know, um, loving Chris Christopherson, I kind of would love someday, if they are still alive and able to do it, I would love to see a Whistler meets Carter Slade. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, anything's possible with the new, uh, with the MCU, how they're doing things now. You know, uh, they 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 down. I don't know how many phases they've got pre-planned, but uh, yeah, I'd I'd love to see something like that. It, it would be kind of
0: cool. to have a western um because we have yet to have a, an actual marvel western film as it were an mcu western film and to see these two you know granted um sam was born in california but his parents were from texas it will be so cool to have these two strong tech snaps with these two incredibly powerful voices Mm-hmm. I'd be happy just having sitting in a bar drinking whiskey and talking to each other. I would just be in love with that.
1: <laughs> oh, we can only hope because I know right now they're they're for, they're a, focusing a, on a, the cosmic era or cosmic phase of Marvel. So maybe they'll go for a Western one of these days.
0: Well, yeah, you know, because I guess as 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 it was also in fashion as as, as it was also in the comics and stuff. The, the Spacemen defeated the cowboys. The cowboys had their moments, and then the space um, the space uh, era came along, and so they did away with the cowboys. But I have, I think, we might be in. It might be time to bring back that old kind of western western feel.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it'd be fun to watch.
0: Very much. Oh, and speaking actually also of Carter State and uh, the San Venganza contract, because there was one thing I didn't understand at first mm-hmm. was when Blackheart orders Johnny to get the San Venganza contract, I thought to myself, why doesn't he go himself? I mean, you'd think that he would be able to possibly overpower um carter state or do you think it's just the fact that blackheart does not know where the where the contract is
1: uh i think it's a l- little bit of uh he doesn't know where it is plus uh i, I know uh, they, that that uh, carter carter told johnny that uh they couldn't go on uh ground so i don't think he could I mean, he might be just waiting at the cemetery gates for years and years but uh i think he uh he had to use Roxanne as leverage to get him to get him out there to uh, to give him the contract.
0: Thank you for clearing that up for me because I was totally clueless. I thought to myself at first, is it just because he knows the Carter Slay is one of the ghost riders and so he's a bit afraid of him or, or you know, or whether he's just too lazy and just wants other people to do stuff for him? Right you know um and, and so we get to the dark side of the spectrum so let's first look at the man who turns Johnny Blaze into Ghost Rider through a contract of course peter fonda as mephistopheles so first off let's talk about how the contract is signed what did you think of this scene of, you know how should we say johnny's blood just kind of splatters onto the uh, onto the contract is, and mephistopheles is like okay i'll take that didn't you find that a bit weird? It,
1: it was because, I and mean, just a little paper cut's not going to give you that much blood. But obviously, they have to do that for dramatic effect and and uh, show you that okay, here's here's how his signature is going to be accepted by uh, by Mephistopheles, who they they they, they call him that and instead of Mephisto. Uh, but I, I, I it, it was a little odd, but uh, I, I I went with it. I was like, okay, it's. Uh, it's it's not taking away from it, which but um, the fact that they had Peter Fonda in it, I I thought it was, it was great because you got you got the Easy Rider and the Ghost Rider so in the same film. <laughs>
0: That was that was a very nice touch indeed. And I, I suppose the fact of what what kind of surprised me about this about this contract signing was also you'd think that Johnny would protest as he was a little apathetic once that happened.
1: Yeah, it, it seemed like uh, he, he didn't have a say so he could have he could have easily just said, you know what, I'm not going to sign it. That's uh, you, you go on your way and I'll do uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get over this ourselves. But uh as soon as that blood hit the hit the paper, it was like that was done, and he didn't have any choice in the matter.
0: Exactly, and just like you mentioned, of course, in the in the Marvel comics, it's Mephisto and not Mephistopheles. But mm-hmm. I suppose it was also maybe a um, callback to um, Faust, obviously Goethe's Faust, where of course Mephistopheles is the devil that does all these terrible deals with people, and they end up going completely wrong
1: yeah and he's actually one of his books in his apartment is actually uh, faust
0: exactly so so I, I suppose they wanted to say oh look we're literary people we actually mm-hmm. read books and so we <laughs> gave you mephistopheles right <laughs> <laughs> but but you know it that's that i mean it's a, it's a it's a silly comment of mine but that's i think is probably why uh did you enjoy this mephistopheles i mean did you feel he was threatening and were you happy with this character is supposed to be the king of hell and the devil and what have you. Well,
1: I mean, for, for somebody supposed to be the devil and, uh, the, like the, as powerful as he is. I I still don't understand why he needs the ghost riders to, to do his bidding like that. I mean, he could, he said he could just pop over here and do this and take the contract. And there you go. He's, but, uh, I mean, he's got to have some sort of uh, i am am sure he's got to have some sort of weakness, but because that's going to further the plot. But uh, I mean, he just seemed—I uh, don't know—it's—he he seemed like kind of like a like a tired villain, I and mean, he's just when when he was on when when he was on screen, I didn't really get uh, like okay, well yeah, here here he is again. It's uh, it's Mephistopheles, and he's just going to snarl and say a few things and. and we're gonna get on to the next scene. It just—it didn't didn't really uh, didn't didn't really give me that that real villain vibe to him.
0: Mm, exactly. I mean, I do enjoy Mephistopheles, but he's too much of a cheesy '90s villain. As yes, he's creepy, but you hardly feel he's a threat. And you know, we're talking about the devil here. And yeah. I, I did like that now and then we would catch a glimpse of him in his true form, but I found him to be very one dimensional. And my question is, you know, and I actually had this question you answered it for me, which was if he can bestow such insane powers on mortals just to do his dirty work to cull souls for him, you'd mm-hmm. think the black heart would be no match for him. You know, seeing as the powers of the ghost rider originate from Mephistopheles. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's it's very odd in, in that sense that you think I can give these powers to people, but I can't use them myself.
1: Yeah. And even Blackheart says to him when they're when they're talking to each other, he says, you you have no power over me in like up here. And it's like, wait a second. He's if he's the devil, he should have power above and below.
0: Exactly, because he's supposed to be like the
1: ultimate big
0: bad. But, yeah. you know, that's that, that's what I just thought was very odd, you know. I Mm -hmm. I mean, I felt the creepy factor was there, but I did not feel it was was much of a threat as he's supposed to be. Another example is even when Johnny refuses to relinquish his powers, you know, Mephistopheles throws a devil's version of a hissy fit and he just disappears.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. He's taking his ball and he's going home without the ball.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He's like, you won't play with me. I'm telling my mom and he just leaves, you know? Yeah.
1: It's like he's he's got this great power and uh, he's he can't just take it away from Johnny. He just says, "Okay, we'll forget it, goodbye," and makes the scene and takes off.
0: Exactly, you know, he, he just is like, "I will see you soon," and all this kind of thing. It's like, dude, you're there. Do something now.
1: <laughs> yeah, and there, there's so much they could have done with his character, and they just they 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 didn't touch it.
0: Exactly. So I would say, all in all, a cheesy, creepy '90s villain. Kudos to Peter Fonda, but just not a memorable villain.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: And, and before we take on what is ultimately the big bad, let's look at Blackheart's cronies, the three fallen angels. Where we have Gressel, played by Lawrence Broyles, Wallow, played by Daniel Fredrickson, and Abigail, or like I or like I like to call him Evil Bob Marley. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, <laughs> What did you think of these three the angels? I
1: I, I think they were Blackheart's three stooges, <laughs> and they're just saying that the whole the whole gang. I was just like, I was like, when uh, uh, Gressel is he's he's walking back to them after he just smashed the Ghost Rider with the truck. He's like, oh, he's not so bad. All of a sudden, he gets tapped on the shoulder. It's like, wait a second, you see the three of them ahead of him. So couldn't couldn't one of those three say, hey? behind you <laughs> but they didn't i was like with it's was like dude your friends are dicks <laughs> and then then ghost Rider takes them out the way he took them out was, was actually really cool like i said I and mean, the the effects with this movie for when it was made the effects were awesome and just to just, just see the uh the chain which uh i mean they they introduced the chain in the uh, the daddy catch ghost rider run they didn't have that in the original but I, I love the fact that they use the chain in there and that just tore him to pieces. But yeah, the the uh, the the rest of the group, I mean, they're just I the the when uh, when Grussell first arrives, he's like, okay, so what are you doing here? It's like, wait a second, I'm the I'm Blackheart. I can I can. I mean, why are you even asking me? I can do I can do anything I want to. Uh, but he seemed to have more depth than the other two, I and mean, the one was just dripping wet like. Uh, like he just came out of the water all the time and and uh, uh evil Bob Marley, he was uh yeah, he just like he was just a fart in the wind, basically.
0: <laughs> exactly. I mean you'd think that as fallen angels, they would provide more of a fight and be more of a threat to Ghost Rider, but
1: exactly he doesn't really...
0: He doesn't really take long to defeat them and they almost no. seem like like you were pointing out more like fodder for us viewers to show off how cool his powers are and what a badass ghost rider is
1: Mm-hmm. yeah and uh, I, I i did like the way he uh um he, he killed the one with the chain with the uh w- when he he created the, the vortex and just tore him apart but um uh, who was Abig? Uh, not Abigor. Ab- uh,
0: was was evil. Bob Marley was the one that right. created the vortex.
1: Yeah, Gre- Gressel was the uh, the one that came out of the earth. And, and Wallow
0: was the water. Demon.
1: Wallow, yeah, that's right. How can I forget Wallow? It's like, geez, <laughs> I mean, that, that just I mean, the way he the way he took him out, I was just kind of a little confused. I was like, I was like, what is saying? If he's just dispersing in water, can't he just reform in water? And but uh, I mean, he just he just kind of like uh, I don't know, just fell apart. At least when uh, when Abergor took when he got rid of him, uh, you actually saw him being torn apart in that, that vortex, which was actually a really cool scene.
0: Yeah, that was actually my favorite fight scene, as it were, of the three fallen angels. Because yeah. evil Bob, evil Bob Marley was possibly the most interesting one, as I love you know the fact that. Johnny actually gets creative with his powers, you know, because he creates this vortex with the chain, and he basically turns him into a a, into a hellfire blender. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, it, you know what, it kind of made me think almost as if we were watching Mortal Combat fatalities on screen.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, did you notice when you when uh, when they're in the uh, the the rail station? uh, First off, a tumbleweed flies by. (laughs) <laughs> I saw that, and then the guy that the the, the caretaker oh well, i would not the caretaker but the uh the, i guess night security whoever he was he had a lantern you <laughs> know it's 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 like in the, it's 2007 that the movie came out he doesn't have a flashlight he's got a lantern i'm like wait a second who carries lanterns anymore he likes to keep it old school i guess, I guess so because i was just like wait a second it's uh I and. Mean, it just this is so out of place. And then then you see the tumbleweed roll. I'm like, oh come on! I'm just waiting for the western music to come on now.
0: Exactly. But did you like the the um? Should we say the callback, or should we say the homage to Mortal Kombat when uh, Ghost Rider throws out the chain and says, "Come here"? Or did you think it was a bit cheesy?
1: No, it was it was cool. I mean, it's the for for the way they played this Ghost Rider out. I mean. He he needed the cheese to, to to make it work with this one. It just uh, I I I if they went darker, I would have said yeah, it was a little little corny, but the way they played it out, it kinda fit the character.
0: I I totally agree with you. And I have to admit, you know, um, opening a brief parenthesis about Mortal Kombat. My favorite character was always Scorpion. So I was very happy to Mm -hmm. get to, shall we say, get this little homage to my favorite Mortal Kombat character. But all in all, looking at these fallen angels, yeah, they were just foot soldiers, which didn't provide a great bite. And of course, just appetizers before the big man himself. Blackheart. <laughs> so, let's get to the Devil's Son. West Bentley as Blackheart or Legion. Uh our listeners might have seen him in The Hunger Games, Interstellar and he was superb in American Beauty. Now, mm-hmm. this guy is supposed to be the big bad uh John. What did you think of Blackheart?
1: Uh complete uh, like completely different from the comic version. Um uh... But I, that that would have taken a lot more special effects to to bring him to, to the big screen. Uh, I I liked him. Uh, it, it just he seemed like uh, he seemed like he was like a an extra from the Matrix the way he looked. But uh, I mean for for the character, um, I think he did a nice job with it. He was uh, he 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 had his plan. He knew how he wanted to get it, and he he. he Went about it. I mean, he was—he was—he had everything. Uh, like all of his bases were 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 covered. All his boxes were ticked. He was all set and ready to go. He just didn't count on uh, kind of like that. Uh, like when Johnny says, "He he may might have my soul, but he doesn't have my spirit." I mean, that human spirit, I think, is what finally got him in the end. Because I and mean, Johnny Johnny came through and just uh, he 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 knew what he had to do, but he knew that he couldn't do it completely. Without like delving deep inside of himself. And that's, I think that's how he finally defeated him.
0: Very true. And I thought he was a good villain for this film, definitely better than Mephistopheles. And, um, He is supposed to be the big bad, and I think he's a pretty serviceable villain for this Ghost Rider outing. He has, Mm -hmm. of course, made multiple appearances in Marvel Comics, like you were saying. He's more of a corruptor, almost, in the comics, you know, like he tries to corrupt Daredevil and also Mm -hmm. Spider-Man. And as I mentioned before, if you watch this movie in the spirit of a dark comedy, Blackheart is pretty cool and is definitely a step up from Mephistopheles. He's totally evil, of course, and he certainly has quite a number of victims to his name by the time the movie is over. But we never really get what his objective is, As once he's able to become Legion by absorbing all the souls of Sam Venganza, what is next? I mean, do you think that he just wanted to create Hell on Earth? Or did he want to um, take over hell? Or, I mean, did you get an idea of what his end result w- was supposed to be or what his end game was supposed to be?
1: Well, I think he actually mentions that he, uh, once he had the, the souls, he uh, he wanted to, to take over hell from, from Mephistopheles because he, he couldn't do it without that because he knew he was too powerful in, 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 in hell. I mean, on, on Earth... He could probably take him out but if he went back to hell without that kind of backup he wouldn't have a chance
0: true and what did you think of the sideburns
1: <laughs> <laughs> i'm not a sideburns guy so i'm like hey, that's that's just how they made the character <laughs> so
0: True. I mean, he, I think Wes Bentley rocks the sideburns. Like you said, they might look, might age the film a little bit, you know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but, but other than that, I thought, I thought it was fun. I do enjoy Blackheart's sideburns and all. And like I said, there's a dark It's fun to watch, but a very one dimensional character compared to what we used to today. I think there's the, also the problem was that John is the fact that we've now been used to so to um, what, multi-dimensional uh, villains Mm-hmm. And it, it's changed so much, and that's why maybe these characters seem so one-dimensional to us because of how villains are now portrayed.
1: Yeah, I think so. And uh, like, like you said in a private conversation that we had, this is, this movie was made uh, was was released in two thousand and seven, but it it looks like a uh, superhero film from the nineties. And I think that has a lot to do with it as well. Uh, I mean, you see, the villains were different back then, uh, I and mean, the the whole look, the feel. I mean, this is one year before the MCU started, and you can tell that the that's just like complete night and day.
0: Very true. I mean, could you have seen Nick Cage as Ghost Rider in today's MCU?
1: No. <laughs> no, honestly, no. It's just I mean, I mean, as as I, mean, I understand, the man's probably one of the hardest working actors in Hollywood. I know mean, he's. Uh, I got uh, since 1982, when is when he first started, to 2008 or 19, the man's made 99 movies, and that's. Oh. That that is a lot, and like I said, 2007, both him and Ava Mendez, they both had five films released in that year. So, I mean, yeah, he's he is a hardworking actor, but I think for a while there, he was just taking every role that was given to him. And to at today's standards, I and mean, when they start saying, okay, well, this person is going to be in the MCU, this person is going to be in the MCU. I think they're giving it more thought now. They're they're seeing what they what they can bring to it, and uh, I don't think he could he could uh, muster up to what we have right now.
0: I, mean, I hate I think to it's, say it, and me too. And it's very sad because you know he's a fellow geek like us because he loves the subject matter so much.
1: Yeah. And unless it was because he uh, destroyed the Wicker Man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah exactly so i i doubt we'll probably be seeing um nick cage in, in the mcu anytime soon so any yeah. final thoughts on the movie before we move forward john
1: um uh, no it's like it it's it's a fun it's a fun romp uh like you said i i didn't even think of the the comedy aspect until you mentioned it but I mean, if you take it for that uh it's it it's a fun movie i mean if you're a fan of the source material. Uh, you're not going to be, you're not going to enjoy it as much, but I mean, I, it's a it's a guilty pleasure of mine. I still go back and watch it. Uh, I still go back back and watch the second one. I'm embarrassed to say about that, but that's another story. <laughs> uh, but I mean, and this one, there's just it's it's fun to pick things apart at it, and like the uh, like I said with the, the guy with with a lantern. I'm like, wait, why do you have a lantern? And then the I mean, probably the worst ever product placement in a movie. You got a guy that's dying of lung cancer and here's Marlboro's sitting right next to him while he's coughing his lungs out. I'm like, wait a sec.
0: <laughs> what were they thinking?
1: Wouldn't you wouldn't you like make your own brand like 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 uh Marmen or something like that, or just just, just put a different label on it? Just, I I I saw that they're they're actually Marlboro's. I was like, come on.
0: Exactly. I mean, you could have done like the Tarantino verse where they have red apple cigarettes.
1: Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> really,
0: yeah. I don't know. It's just, it just, that that was, I think, really sort of really odd. It's like, why are you like sh- letting us know these are Marlboro Reds, yet, you know, you're showing the adverse effects they have? It's like, you know, I don't know uh, <laughs> what they were thinking with that <laughs> one. But, but, um, but, you know, I totally agree with you. Like I said before, I think if you watch it as, shall we say, the mask, with a uh, instead of the mask, you have a flaming skull. You'll definitely enjoy it. I mean, I had a lot of laughs. I actually enjoyed it in that sense. Um, but, you know, the, should we say the geek in me who loves the co- Ghost Rider comics was saying, um, yeah, this is not Ghost Rider. This is, uh, you know, a different kind of take. And um, you have, like I said, it's all about the mindset, I think, in which you watch it. So mm-hmm. let, let's get to ratings. Where does this movie rate for you on a scale of one to ten?
1: um and being a fan i was just like like you said i i a I, little a little disappointed in what we got um i i have to give it uh five out of ten five out of ten uh health cycles
0: well uh you're you're you were much more uh um should we say uh, severe than i was because i'm going to give it a seven out of ten <laughs> As it's a fun popcorn movie, which got a lot of laughs out of me, and I was very much entertained by it. But, like we said, if you're looking for Ghost Rider from the comics, I would certainly suggest you look at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s fourth season, where we yes. get the Robbie Reyes incarnation of the character, which is superb
1: oh, and is much
0: closer to the darker occult turn of his comic counterpart, played wonderfully by Gabriel Luna. So I am assuming you were a fan of Robbie Reyes in in Agents of Shield.
1: Oh, absolutely. When I when I when I heard that they were going to bring Ghost Rider into the into the show, um, first off, I didn't I didn't realize it was going to be the Robbie Reyes Ghost Rider, and I figured we were just going to see uh, Danny Danny Ketch, or even or even Johnny Blaze. But uh, when they brought him on and it worked, I was like, this is the Ghost Rider we needed. <laughs>
0: Exactly, and you know, I could have so have seen a spin-off TV series, which sadly, apparently, is now in development hell once again, which is a great shame because I would love
1: yeah. more
0: of Robbie Reyes.
1: Mm-hmm. And they they even show like how, how he got the powers and after that crash. You see, you see the rider come up right next to him and and take his hand, and he he transfers some power into him and turns him into a new rider. That's uh, I, I loved it.
0: It was just amazing. So mm-hmm. let's get to reading recommendations. Did you sure. have any stories you would like to suggest?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got I've got three. They're all from the uh, the, the the original run um, and uh, the original uh, motorcycle Ghost Rider run, not the not the Western character. Um, I've got uh, Ghost Rider issue number one here. This one basically is because. This one it's it, it's all over the place, just like the movie is. So if you <laughs> like the movie, you're going to love the first issue of Ghost Rider. Uh, my second one, and that's uh, that's that's from way back in 1973. Uh, my second one is uh, Ghost Rider number 30. This is a good team up with uh, Doctor Strange. Uh, it has nothing to do with the movie that we just talked about, but and it's just it's a fun fun story with the two of the with two of those characters, and then. Uh, my last one here is what we talked about earlier, number fifty. You got uh, Danny, uh, uh, Johnny Blaze and Carter Slade in the same book, and that was uh, that was like the first the first team up with the two of them. Which uh, you get a few a few later on, but that that eventually brought up uh, like team ups with Johnny Blaze and Danny Ketch as well in the newer series. But yeah, those are those are my three.
0: Oh, well, those, those are brilliant ones. And I'm going to add to that the all-new Ghost Rider number one from 2014. As after having Johnny Blaze, Danny Ketch, and even a female Ghost Rider in the form of mm-hmm. Alejandra, we have a new Ghost Rider who was decided to be brought to the forefront from comic creators Felipe Smith and Trade Moore, Robbie Reyes, of course, this down-and-luck teenager who works as a mechanic. While spending his night street racing in order to save enough money to get him and his younger brother out of a bad neighborhood, he becomes the ghost rider. And boy, oh boy, is that a cool car in the comics. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) And actually, before we actually go into other things here, John, I actually wanted to ask you, because we didn't address this. What did you think of the the bike in this film? Did you like how it was designed?
1: I did. It's uh, I mean. The, the, original, the original bike is just a red motorcycle, basically, with, the, with, with flames. And when they, brought, uh, when they brought the new series with Danny Ketch, they kind of uh, they modernized it and they gave it that big shield up front. I think when they designed the bike for this movie, they took a little bit of that and then just added some, uh, some flair to it with uh, some intricate designs. I and mean, that's probably one of the coolest scenes in the movie when the, the bike transforms into the Hell Cycle uh and just the destruction that it did it leaves in its wake when it's it's going it's tearing down the street i felt bad for the little lizard though i mean (laughs) the lizard didn't do anything but uh i mean yeah just uh just to see the 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 health cycle that I, i i read in the comics for years and years brought to the big screen and brought well to the big screen i mean i was really happy the way it looked
0: uh, well I will totally agree on that. I think i re- I also love the bike as well. I mean, as I said, I'm not a in, into too much in too much into cars or into vehicles, but even should we say <clears throat> somebody who is is not a huge fan of should we of the automotive world, I absolutely love this bike. I thought it was super, super cool. Mm-hmm. now we we selflessly promoted stories. Let's get to se- shameless self-promotion. When it comes to you, John, and the great stuff that you do, where can our listeners find you on the interwebs?
1: Uh, well, seeing that I'm like a huge Doctor Who fan, I am. I'm the uh, founding member of the Ohio Type Forty. We are basically a Facebook group right now. Um, in the state of Ohio, we're one of the four big Doctor Who groups. You don't have to be a, a resident of Ohio to like our page. Come on over, take a look. Take a look. Give us a like. Uh, share some stories, share some ideas, whatever you want to do. Uh, we're trying to actually, uh, this year, we're actually trying to get some uh, some get-togethers put together with uh, different members from uh, around the area. I and mean, we've got members from all over the state and actually all over the world now, too. So that's, uh, that's a great thing for us. Um, and I also uh, run a uh, support group for Doctor Who fans with type 2 diabetes. It's called Type 2 Doctor Who. And uh, that's a private group on Facebook. Basically, if you, if you have type 2 diabetes, come find us. There's a couple questions we ask you first, and then we, just, we, we let you in. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it, it's nice to be able to talk to other fans who do suffer from type 2 diabetes. Um, it's just one of those things where it's like uh, it's a, lot, a lot of times we bounce different recipes off of each other because you can't eat salads all the time, and we just uh, help each other out.
0: Well and I think that's a beautiful thing and I'm actually very proud to say I'm a member of the Ohio Type 40 and I love the um, it, everything that's brought up in there the subjects of conversation that are brought up it's a really great group and I've had a great time you know having sure you say putting my pennies worth into into the into the the conversation you you definitely <laughs> do a great job with the Ohio Type 40 there John and i definitely suggest any you are welcome and of course any um any Doctor Who fans, definitely be sure to join the Ohio Type 40 group. It's really, really cool. You'll find like-minded fans of Doctor Who and just a, a wonderful group of people. And, of course, if you want to be like John and join us here on the show to discuss a movie of your choice, feel free to shoot us an email at happinessindarknesshowl at gmail.com. Feel free to show your support by giving us a like on Facebook, where you'll find us as Happiness in Darkness. You can also follow us on Twitter, where you're at High Darkness Pod, or on Instagram under Hind Darkness. Also, if you would like to support the podcast of Feeling Generous, you can hit the donate button on soundcloud.com slash whiskey and cigarettes or become patrons of ours on Patreon. That's patreon.com happinessanddarkness We really appreciate that. Any donators will be able to pick the movie we next discuss, even pick one of the recurring co-hosts we discuss it with or come on the show themselves to discuss the movie of their choice. Also, as always, want to send a huge thank you to our video maker, David Moreno, the mad scientist behind all the great episode trailers you can find on our Facebook page. Be sure to subscribe to his Nostalgia channel on YouTube, The Man Does Great Work. That's Nostalgia Channel, all in capitals. And speaking of things to come, next week we'll be joined by Young Deuces, who has chosen the 97 Joel Schumacher film, Batman and Robin. <laughs> that said, when it comes Notes. to huge exactly that said when it comes to you john i look forward to having you back here on happiness and darkness thank you for joining us today and thank you for the great conversation
1: nick it's always a pleasure thank you again
0: oh the pleasure was certainly ours well folks thanks as always for listening to the show and supporting us we will see you next week with young gooses and batman and robin until then stay super ciao my people